welcome to episode seven of our podcast. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half of the Sober Experiment. So today we're going to be talking about the ups and downs of sobriety. Um, and yeah, we've been thinking about it quite a lot. So I think before we even start this... Happy New Year to everybody that's listening. Yes, Happy New Year. Because this one's going out today as we're recording it. So it is New Year as well, the 4th of January. The 4th of January. How's it been so far for you? What, January or the New Year? Or what? Are they the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Life yeah. in general. Yeah. You know what? I've got to say, I love New Year. I love it. It's my favourite, favourite time. I know that lots of people... Um, that are perhaps doing dry January, go into January with the mindset of it's going to be the longest, darkest month yeah. in, like, all year. But I actually really, really like it. And I love it even more sober. I really, really do. Do you know what I've got to say? And I know you told me to say this, but I have got to say it. <laughs> <laughs> this new year was my favourite new year ever. Why? Ever. Come on, tell us why. I think... Just knowing that I was going to bed pretty late on New Year's Eve, um, you know, two-ish. Yeah. Knowing I was going to get up in the morning and be ready for a brand new year without the, oh, get rid of my hangover, then I'll start it. You know, it was just brilliant. And I went for a walk with the kids and New Year's Eve, we saved the house, we played games. They really enjoyed it. And I know my daughter, she was saying, um, oh, can we go, can we go to a party? But obviously... I said, why? Why do you want to go to a party? She said, oh, well, I quite like it, you know, when we're all at a party and having fun. And I thought, that just shows that we're not interacting enough normally with the kids, really, because she was looking for this party to be able to do that. Anyway, New Year's Day, cutting it short, um, she said it was her favourite because she said it was about us. You made it about us. Um, They just loved it. They loved it. I loved it. I felt like a kid again. It was brilliant. I did, I did. I just think it's really nice for me, New Year. I've um, I love Sage in the house. I know you said that. That's like a big thing, and it's become kind of a tradition in my house now that we Sage the house and clear out all the negative energies. Because if I'm honest, there's a lot of negative energies in my house by the time New Year's Eve comes. So there's no wonder because you're such a stressed in December. Oh, honestly, I. I don't like December and I don't know where it stems from or where it comes from. I think maybe from when I was younger. Yeah. And the build up to Christmas, I always get poorly. I always put pressure on myself to get everything right. I feel like I'm constantly all month trying to do things so I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. You've got a lot on though, haven't you, in that month as well? There's a lot of pressure on you, isn't there? Yeah, a lot of pressure. And I just think, you know, kids at Christmas anyway, it's a lot of pressure. You want to get things right. You want it to be nice for them. Yeah. Um, and I'm a single parent, really. I know we often talk in these podcasts of me having a husband, which is true. It is true. <laughs> I've just... But, <laughs> but, yeah, he's just been round. But we don't live together. So, and we'll explain that in another podcast one time. Oh, I don't think we will. I reckon but, we might need three. <laughs> yeah, we might. But it's just a lot of pressure to get things right on my own as a single parent, I think, yeah. for Christmas. I might be overthinking it, but every December, I just don't like it. It makes me sad and I get real. I don't just get a bit sad. I get really, really sad. And I think that's really where we should start, you know. Yeah. I do think we should start today talking about let's, sadness. Let's talk sadness. Yeah, but let's not be sad. <laughs> because we're not sad now, are we? But I think both of us had a meltdown in December. Yeah, we did. 
Do you want to start with yours or do you want me to start with mine? No, mine you was start with yours. <laughs> yeah, you did have an outburst. Yeah, um, I don't really know what happened to me. I've had a lot of stress at work, as you know about, which I'm not going to talk about, but a heck of a lot of stress at work. And I was feeling really anxious and miserable and I was stood in the kitchen, I was washing up, I was having a bit of a temper tantrum at my husband, at the kids, um, and I, re- I felt my... Um, I felt my immaturity rising, actually. Yeah. And I was drying these plastic plates that I've got. And when I say plastic, they're, they're like hard plastic. I'm like, do you eat off them? Well, yeah, the plates. Well, all the time? <laughs> you actually eat off plastic? I never knew that. You eat enough plastic plates. Like, they don't feel like plastic. No, they don't feel like plastic. Not that there's anything wrong with eating off plastic plates. I have plates. got porcelain ones as well. Oh, right. I think it all started because, well, this is irrelevant, this, but we used <laughs> to get broken so often because I'm so clumsy. <laughs> so we just bought these plates and they're really good quality plastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they've just, anyway, it's stuck. So um, I only use my porcelain ones for best. <laughs> Which is why I didn't know you had any. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you didn't know I had plastic ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But they take some breaking these plastic plates, they really yeah. do. And I smashed, not even two together, just like one, like rah! And then the other one ran all over the floor. And it actually hurt me. A little bit of the plastic actually cut my shin. <laughs> oh, I remember this. I keep touching you like I'm so I know, sorry. It's really weird. But I actually, I actually remember you telling me this because could you not tell anybody that you'd hurt your leg? No one had really hurt my leg. It had a cut on it, but I thought I'm not going to let anyone see that my anger has resulted in self injury. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really upset and it was over some I can't even you know what it was that small I don't even remember what but this period of sadness and anger actually lasted two full days of me feeling snappy and miserable and not really knowing myself and it's got me thinking about emotional maturity and I know we've talked about this before but it is so true that when you start drinking and for me that would be about 14 15 maybe a little bit younger you do stop developing your emotional intelligence. And I did react like my 14, 13-year-old pre-menstrual self would have done in that situation. And like a spoiled little brat, that's what (laughs) I was reacting like. But you know what? My husband was really good and he just gave me a hug and he said, it's going to be all right, you're going to be fine. Makes me emotional. Um, It was was really sweet. It was really lovely. Um, And I think that anger, you don't put down to sobriety but that's what got me reading or partly what got me reading about um post-acute withdrawal syndrome or pause which you might read it as and they reckon that they these scientists uh, reckon that when you first stop alcohol after the initial withdrawal the physical withdrawal has even left it's that emotional withdrawal that's still pulling at you basically and how you deal with it and feeling the feelings which we've talked about so I think feeling the anger I haven't yet learned and I'm almost 42 how to deal with anger as an adult I haven't learned that skill and it's just become so apparent since I've stopped drinking I never had to deal with it before because I went oh I'm feeling in a bad mood I'm gonna have a glass of wine yeah you have that like what I used to call like the fuck it switch so you know when everything's going a bit wrong or like you say you're feeling angry sad or any emotion yeah. that makes you think oh fuck it i'm going out i would <laughs> yeah. go i would go out and 
get a drink and that would kind of, as I would think, cure it at the time. Well, for me it did, but then what would happen, as you know, alcohol being the anaesthetic and the depressant that it is, it would be fine and then later on, after I'd had one or two many... I'd be nasty to somebody, usually my poor husband. Yeah. And when I say nasty, I mean, I wasn't violent and horrible, even though on every podcast I talk about, oh, I've broken something, hit something, <laughs> smashed something, I've something. I'm not violent. Oh, <laughs> a little bit crazy. Yeah, the uh, lady doesn't protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think, I think I've not learned how to deal with certain emotions because I've never had to. And so that using alcohol in that way and, and using it it would come out later and then whoever it had come out on would say oh it's just because you're drunk yeah well, no it's not because i'm drunk actually it's because i was already really pissed off earlier on today but then i drank now i'm drunk and now i'm really pissed off and i don't actually care who i hurt anymore yeah. because i've lost all um you know inhibitions and i'm just gonna say and do whatever the hell i want to do because now i'm drunk pissed off alex yeah you know, like, definitely do you think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves to not feel emotions this is what i've thought of through december and i kind of i think i'm nearly 18 months now not drinking yeah. and i completely understand what you're saying learning to deal with things without a drink and all these emotions but I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to not feel it we're constantly trying to not feel the emotion so if we're feeling angry we yeah. try and not do do you know what I mean does that make sense yeah, if we start yeah. we try and fix it that's what I mean we're looking for a fix all the time yeah rather than thinking about what's made us angry what's made us sad what's made us feel these feelings yeah. we're trying to fix 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 instead of sitting with them and thinking because you know what when we were drinkers we had bad days when you're sober you're gonna have bad days yeah you just don't know yet necessarily how to deal with them all or in what what is the correct emotional response yeah is you know, there like, a correct emotional response well i don't think breaking plates is the acceptable way forward as a, a grown adult i don't you know, it's like, it's like to do it <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they all do <laughs> Here we go again. Oh, no, go on. <laughs> but, yeah, I think... I th I'm not sure, you know, I think that's on a par with hitting something or somebody or, yeah. you know, smashing walls, smashing doors. I do. I think it's just an immature way of reacting to a situation that could be dealt with differently. And I've just... I hold out quite a lot of hope for myself because um, I'm overcoming a lot of this and learning that actually that's not the way we should be behaving. And... I almost look at myself as one of my children now and think, right, what caused that? What was I really annoyed about? And half the time for me, in fact, no, more than half the time, it's not actually anger, it's fear Yeah. that makes me angry. Yeah. You know, fear of what's going to happen at work, fear of what if I, you know, never manage to deal with my emotions? What if I never grow up? What if, what if my husband leaves me because I'm an absolute fuck-up? You know, like all those things fear gets you to react in an angry way sometimes and I think if you could like you say just sit with the fear and rationalize it because anxiety is all about what if isn't it oh absolutely and I know we talk about this a lot don't we because you've said this loads of times that you you suffer from anxiety really bad now, yeah more so than you thought you did yeah. since you've stopped yeah. drinking and I know we have like conversations in the car when you're quite anxious don't we yeah. and that's something that we do said anxiety is the future it's the what yeah, infinite yeah. I suppose it's kind of learning to deal with the now 
Yeah, and, and I read something, and it's probably oversimplifying it. Well, it's definitely oversimplifying it, and I know as somebody who suffers from anxiety it is, but it does help me get it in my head. Depression's about the past. Anxiety is about the future. And if you can just live somewhere in the middle of them, you'll live in the now. Yeah. That's not that's easier said than done because in many, many cases, certainly with depression, it's a chemical imbalance that needs medicating. Yeah. It does. You know, um, I've, I'm lucky that I've avoided um, medication for my anxiety, even though on my last visit, my GP suggested that maybe I start taking something. Yeah. But I said, no, I don't want to do. I don't, I do feel. I am managing it. I do feel I've got the right network of friends that I can phone up and say, I'm having a meltdown. What if this happens? What if that happens? And thank God I've got, you know, my husband and you, um, my mum, who I can phone and they'll sort of say, right, but, you know, it's like that quote, isn't it? But what if you jump and you fly? Yeah. You know, if you can, if somebody can just make you come back down and think, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if this happens instead? Uh, And you can just think, right, and get back to normal. I mean, my anxiety got to the point a few months ago this is quite a dark subject, so I don't want to carry on about it for too long. But I do think it's important to acknowledge it. But I would lie in bed awake, certainly after my miscarriage, which we've talked about several times now. And I would lie in bed thinking, what if I die in, in the night? What? Now, I've no reason to die in the night. There's no reason, no health known reason for me to die in the night. But I would start to panic about what will happen to my kids, what will happen to my husband. What if my husband meets someone else and my little boy thinks that's his mum? And, you know, all these really irrational things that I built up and up and up. And I'm not there now. And that's six months on. And not from my advice either, because my advice, I think when you told me that, do you remember what I said to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, well, it's supposed to be a really nice day for someone. No, I didn't. <laughs> she, you, you drank me and you was like, I keep thinking, like, what if I die? And I was like, Alex, we all die. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> but, did. But we do. I'm sorry if anybody didn't know that that is listening. <laughs> but, but it is a fact that we do all die. <laughs> yeah, and you actually said, so I think you need to come to terms with it. Yeah, all right, great friend. But, no, but in, in honesty, I mean, we did laugh about that, didn't we? Afterwards? Yeah. We, you know, we had a bit of a joke about it. But I, my point there, I guess, is that even in the last six months, I've learned to manage that. Whereas yeah. before I would have had a drink to go unconscious, so it never happened. Now I've sat with it for six months thinking, right, I'm going to control my breathing, but I'm not going to die in the night. And if I do, I won't know about it anyway. And yeah. then, you know, I've taught myself into dealing with it. Now, if I'd have taken medication for it, and I'm not saying people shouldn't, because, I, again, I acknowledge that many people have got anxiety much, much worse than I have and may need to do that. But if I'd have taken medication for it, for me... I would still not be dealing with that. And when I stopped my medication, it would have come back, I think. Yeah. I'm no expert, but to now I'm past that bit. So I've learned to live with it. I've learned to sit with it and I'm over it. There's new things happen all the time, but it is getting better and, and I'm learning how to deal with it. I think it takes a lot of practice. Like, I know people say to me a lot of the time, because I've come across as quite a positive, happy person, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm always, you know, like dancing in the kitchen, singing in is. the car. <laughs> but I would class myself as a positive person now. But that has taken practice, a lot of practice. I don't think it's easy to be a positive person. No. Um, so when, for me, when I feel down, I spend a lot of time trying to think of the good things that are going on around me. Like the last couple of years, and I don't talk about a lot of it because I can't do yet. Yeah. But, you know, I've had a lot 
going on in my personal life around like with the kids and breakups and you know things like and breakups and makeups and things like that um but all through that time I have looked for the good in it and I think you have to practice that it's not always easy to do but I do believe and I'm a big believer that there is it sounds really cliche and corny but there is always something to be grateful for yeah no I agree agree. no matter how bad things get there is always something one thing at least to be grateful for yeah I agree and I think that being with you as often as I am or speaking to you as often as I do it does rub off on me and it does resonate with me and I do start to rationalize and I think that that's why it's so important when you're getting sober to be part of a group or a tribe or, yeah you know and and by a group it might not be a physical group it might be the, the Facebook group or yeah it might just be a WhatsApp group a few of your friends it's really important to have a group of people that are going to bring you up instead of drag you down though isn't it definitely in the early days I'd have been absolutely lost without the Facebook group that I was on it really really helped me because I was going through a lot and nobody I knew at that time was sober so you wasn't my mum wasn't and Mm. you're the two closest people to me really so you are now and I'm really lucky but at the beginning I didn't have anybody and it was it was a really lonely place, I won't lie. I realised when I first got sober, and I don't know whether anybody doing dry January, you know, this might be something that they've got to learn to deal with. Yeah. But for me, it was like, oh, nobody actually asked me to go out. I just appear at places. Yeah. Nobody actually rings me and says, Lisa, do you want to go to this place or do that? So when I stopped drinking, everything stopped. My whole social life stopped, everything. And I was in quite a, obviously with everything going on as well, I was in a really, really lonely place. And I think to find like-minded people is so, so important. And it's hard, it's not easy. You've got to make the effort to do it. You know, we can sit at home and say, nobody wants, there's two ways of looking at things, isn't there? I don't get invited anywhere. Everyone don't really like me when I'm sober. <laughs> um, and you can be miserable about it. Or you can think, you know what? I'm going to find people. I'm going to find my tribe. Your vibe attracts your tribe. It's That's funny, isn't it, though? Because some things are not for everybody. Because the other week, during December, when I was having my low point, you said, um, Alex, do you think you should join a few Facebook groups just as yourself where no one knows you where you've got people to let off your early yeah. stages and you know you, you're leading this group with me but yeah. maybe actually you need somewhere to vent and to share and to yeah. talk and I just went immediately no no I don't want to do that I don't need it so it's not yeah not, it doesn't suit every single person does it no it doesn't not at all but I think there's just so many different options isn't there you know like some people don't have friends and family that they can talk about no it's true with because I'd be lying if I didn't say that when I stopped people thought I was just weird they was like why would you do that think you're weird well yeah (laughs) but but yeah people around me was like why would you do that like let me know when you're drinking again and we'll go out I got told that loads I ran a group actually um a weight loss group God, God. 
when I first stopped drinking and I was just leaving that job actually so everybody knew that I was doing 100 days and when I left everybody bought me <laughs> Prosecco uh, glasses with you've what did it say on it? Something about ginning and sinning. If you're going to sin, use gin or something like that. I've still got that glass downstairs. And everybody was like, right, we'll have a leaving do for you, but we'll wait till you're drinking again. So if anybody is listening, you've still not given me a leaving do and it was two years ago. <laughs> and you still won't be doing for the rest of a life if um, this is anything to go <laughs> by. <laughs> yeah. But people thought I was weird and they was like, just let me know when you're drinking again and I'll see you then. It's sad that, isn't so it? So it, it makes was... me sad that. You know, that the, the, the fact that people aren't just out to enjoy your company, they're out to enjoy pissed you. Yeah, it's quite... I think it can it's be... It's humiliating. It is. I think it's really sad. And I remember sat there thinking, oh my God... People are basically saying to me, I don't like you. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think they were, though, not no, really. but in my head they were, in the early days. They were saying, I don't like you, I only like the drunk you, so let me know when you're drunk again, because you're pretty boring. And I remember having to deal with that and sit there and thinking, oh, right, all right then. <laughs> and that's kind of where I actively then went out to find my tribe because yeah. as much as I love being on my own and I do I crave that and I have done all December I've craved being on my own but as much as I'm I've figured out that I'm quite an introvert I am still a little bit extrovert as well and I love going out and socializing and meeting people so to me it was really important I met like-minded people and I guess that's where I'm slightly different in is that it was already ready having you it yeah. was ready made for me so be sober Manchester I just stepped into because it's like being a step parent isn't it, is, it? it is. like a little ready-made you did you had a ready-made family for me yeah yeah, you did. yeah you know like so I guess maybe that's why I don't feel I need it because I'm already part of it through yeah, you. you are yeah you know it's, it's different but yeah, um, they can be quite tricky emotions, can't they, now to deal with them? Do you know, before, I, know, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I need to mention it again. If I have, I'm sorry if I bore you. But crying, right? <laughs> I can't stop crying, right? Even when I'm pretty happy. So first thing was, there was an old man, a veteran, giving out and selling the poppies <laughs> in November. I took one look at him, honest to God, I don't know what he thought of me. I just went... Oh, you're so sweet. My husband just looked at me and went, what are you doing? I was like, it's really sad, isn't it? He was in the war. He's like, he's far too young to have been in the war. I said, well, he must have been in some war. You know, there was that. I, I yeah. didn't know why I was emotional. Then, really pathetic. You know the scene on Rocky 3 where Rocky and Apollo are running down the beach in their crop tops? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got really sad at that and choked up and I was really crying. And again, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? I was like, they're older now. And he's like, yeah, what, what are you crying for? I, like, I don't know. It's just really emotional. And then what did I phone you about? A song. I can't remember that. Oh, song. actually, yeah, your emotions are a little Yeah. <laughs> you, you actually messaged me with the song and said, I really cried it at this. It was a Christmas song. It was. And I really get this crying. Because my emotions have heightened as well. You know, I laugh bigger and louder and I cry like proper like <laughs> melanate noises. <laughs> and not. Yeah, and for the video, you could just see that was a proper ugly cry. <laughs> Mine are ugly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you messaged me with that song and I listened to it and I thought, 
oh, she really is bad now. <laughs> Do you hear what I hear? Oh, oh, I didn't get that. Oh, did I well, there's no like wonder that. you probably got something wrong. It was a ridiculous song and I couldn't I look had, for I won't look, but I, I have no idea why you were crying at that. I bet it sent them a different one. You were thinking, you really No, but I'm sure it was that. We'll listen afterwards. We will. We that. will. But yeah, I think, I can't stop crying. What is that about? I think it's exactly what you said before about stunting your emotional growth. I think it's just what you, what you do. Drink stunts it. It numbs your feelings. We've been looking at old pictures today, haven't yeah. we, of when we were going out and drinking. And although at that time all them pictures looked like we were having a good time, we've seen that behind the eyes, we yeah. wasn't really having it's a like good you're time. Dead behind the eyes, yeah, we it? looked yeah. quite sad, really. Yeah. But I've body was showing different does that make well, sense well your daughter your youngest said to me before even though you don't look particularly happy you do look quite excited i said well i probably was because i was about to get absolutely slaughtered yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like and i would have been excited at that point i would have been really excited because i'd have known yes i'm gonna be out all night even though i've said many many times i only intended to go out for two or whatever yeah, i'd have known that it, it was a going to be a full night out and i would have lived with the consequences the next day and not cared and that's no way to be, really, is it? I'm so grateful that we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> no, I am, honestly. I, I, am. I have got to say, I've got so much gratitude for sobriety. And another cliche, right, because you wear this lot, and it is, but sobriety, the gift that just keeps on giving. And every day I say something like, oh, because I'm sober. And I wasn't even an everyday drinker, but I, I have that many amazing, wonderful things that happen. Yeah. And I I just don't think I'd maybe they would have happened, but I wouldn't have felt them the same. Yeah. So I think it's like what you're saying about crying. I've gone like I'm just so happy. I cry with happiness at things. I think we, we talked about it, didn't we, as well, memory loss as well. Yeah. that happens early on, doesn't it? You start to get scatterbrained. Yeah, definitely. But now, honest to God, I'm like an elephant, and I don't mean to look at, right? But <laughs> <laughs> big chunk and that. <laughs> That's made me laugh. I don't I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> oh, a big chunk. I'm all just... <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> but... Like, I'm really remembering. Like, do you remember my Alsatian dog? Yes, I Sheba. do, because it bit my bum. <laughs> no. I didn't like that dog. <laughs> and I like dogs. Yeah, she was really clever. I'd forgotten <laughs> this. She was really clever. She used to knock on the letterbox on the front door, and I remembered that last night. <laughs> when she got locked outside, she'd go round to the front and lift the letterbox up with her nose. Now, I know that's nothing to do with sobriety, but what is true is that was like 35 years ago. Do you think you've got more time to remember things? Well, I don't know, but I, either that or I'm reminiscing and it's another thing about emotional kind of maturity and learning to grow up. And I think, yeah, I, may, I don't know. I've, I've gone through memory loss and thinking, oh, you know, what's this? I've called my kids each other's names. I still do that, to be fair. Yeah. But then... Forgetting little things like, oh, where I put my keys and running around. And, and then all of a sudden, these quite sometimes really painful memories just pop in my head. And I think, oh, yeah. my God, where's that come from? Things I thought I'd dealt with. You know, I've made no secret of the fact that I had a counsellor once after my dad died and then again after my miscarriage. So I have really talked out my past. You know what I mean? I don't need... Yeah. There's nothing else I can say about it to anybody. But 
I'm reliving stuff that I didn't even know was an issue. In fact, I'd forgotten even existed. And it happens quite a lot. And I'll just sit there all of a sudden and think about something. And don't get me wrong, I'm not in buckets of tears. But I think, oh God, yeah, that's why I do this. Or, oh my God, that's why I've just said what I've said. And I've realised that a lot of my actions and my emotional kind of, or lack of emotional development is from very long time ago and things that I've either buried or just forgotten about over time. Alcohol suppresses them feelings, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because it's a it's a natural depressant anyway. So I mean, you've got you've got the two things, haven't you? You've got the fact that it's an anaesthetic, so it'll stop you feeling sad. It'll stop you feeling angry. It'll stop you feeling joy, though, and that's always what we forget. Temporarily, yeah, like yeah, yeah. At the time you're drinking it, I mean, yeah. Um, and it always takes more than it gives. We yeah. know that from Annie Grace. Um, but then, yeah, you've got on top of that, you've got the depressant. You know, so it. it it's physically numbing you, like you've said earlier on. So you've got the anaesthetic effect of actually being wiped out and falling asleep before it, and then the depressant effect yeah. of it numbing things. But it numbs the good and the bad, so you kind of feel like you're on a level, but actually you're just flat. Yeah. And that probably explains the deadness behind the eyes on some of those photos of us, because it's just like, yeah, I've got a great big smile on my face, but my eyyes aren't smiling. Or Yeah. It's quite... It's sad, isn't it? It is really sad. When I looked at them pictures, it was like... I was laughing at some of the times that we'd had, like when your head was against the um, (laughs) The seat in front front on the aeroplane, yeah. And, you know, we did have some good times and it'd be wrong for me to not say... But I think now we we still have amazing times, don't we, without... They're genuine now. Yeah. So they're not... Like, in the past, we would have done and said stupid things to make the other laugh. Yeah. And then we'd have laughed about the stupid things we'd done and said. Yeah. But now things happen and they're genuinely funny or they genuinely make you happy or they genuinely make you sad sometimes, you yeah. know, like, and and we're living it. And we're just really lucky that we're living it together. We say this all the time, but we really, really we are. We are really lucky. You know, I don't think everybody has that. And it is important because of this pause to find a social life. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be out partying and clubbing, does it? It might be to go running with a running club or it might be to go to a reading club or a book club or anything that you can do sober that I mean you you might you might be lucky you might be we're quite lucky in that we can go in a pub and we can sit down and have a non-alcoholic beer and not feel triggered yeah that's true and I do think like you said we're quite lucky because a lot of time um people certainly from our background their social life is about pubs and is about restaurants and unfortunately, many people can't do that and they lose that aspect of the social life or they haven't got supportive friends and you get that, oh, well, contact me when you're drinking again. Yeah. You know, so I think it's it's not easy and I don't think anybody's pretending it's easy, but it is important to do. It's important to go out and find somebody or find a group, find an interest. It's important to focus on the good things about it as yeah. well. And we've seen this with members as well, and we've watched members turn their mindset around from, yeah. like, woe is me to this is amazing. And I think by focusing on the good things, and it's not saying that everything's going to be amazing within the first week, two weeks, three week, or even four week. No. I think it's just... I think patience has got a lot to do with it as well. And, and you're learning about yourself. You are... Yeah, because you've got to rediscover who you are without 
a false chemical in your body, haven't you? Yeah, and that can be quite scary, can't it? It's really scary. And, you know, and if you read enough, um, I've said this before, we read between us, we've read everything and we continue to do so. But if you read about this, pause lasts for two years, up to two years. So although at the beginning you might have like a week where you're feeling down and then you might have a week of up and then you might have a week of down, then you might have another week of up, then two days of down and so on. They do say that even though it'll get fewer and fewer and further between, that you'll have these really big bouts of sadness or anxiety or depression even for up to two years. And beyond that is when you should be saying, hang on a minute, do I suffer from depression? Do I suffer from anxiety? You know, But I think it's a normal part of getting sober. I think that's good to know as well because for somebody like me who's quite... I'm going to say I suffer from quite a lot of highs. <laughs> I don't suffer from them. But I'm on quite a high a lot of the time. So when I do get my laws, they're really, they're low, really, they? really low. Yeah. yeah, And I'm one that I, I would need to be on my own in them times. And because I'm so high and out there, I think people don't, can't really get to grips with why I then all of a sudden go in my own little box and can't speak to anybody or... Yeah. So I suppose that's pause then, isn't it? Yeah. Um I think if it was I think if it's beyond two years, like I say, and I, oh, I, I know heck, I'm coming on to that. You've got another six months yet, you're loads of time. <laughs> <laughs> but if it if it is beyond two years you know maybe you do have to number one accept that this is your personality and this is your trait because you have now done two years you've learned how to deal with things or you need to you know think well do I suffer from depression do I suffer from anxiety knowing you as I know you I would say no you don't I would say you are really really high or really really low I reckon you're more more bipolar than anything yeah oh (laughs) thanks (laughs) Um, you know what though my stepdad who I don't even know whether we've spoke about my stepdad Terry or not that much on the podcast, but, you know, I grew up in pubs, as you know, and he was a joyful, happy, drunk. But he actually went to the doctors and got told that he suffered with happy depression. I know. So I don't know whether that's a real thing or whether he were just telling us that. He might have put it in his words, knowing Terry. But looking back, and because he was a drinker, he would, like, drink and be jolly, be the life and soul. But what nobody saw in the pub is when he was upstairs, low and not wanting to talk to anybody. And I always kind of, I remember, even as a teenager, him telling me that he had happy depression and and relating to it. So before you started drinking? No, I was drinking as a teenager. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Like, not every day. But, yeah, no, drink was a big part of my life even as a teenager and I know we've mm. spoke about this but I I used it and I never knew I used it for social anxiety until I stopped drinking so that was a good I'm not very good at maths how long ago was it since I was a teenager ago. a long time <laughs> ne- nearly 30 years yeah so I know what you're saying about being but uh, yeah I'm a bit worried now I've got happy depression I don't think you have. I think you're just happy and every now and again you feel sad, which is perfectly normal. (laughs) I'm just a human. Yeah. I'm just... I think that is the other thing, actually. We can overthink things, can't we? Yeah. Maybe, you know, humans have... If if you have happy feelings... If you're happy and, you know, (laughs) I got your hands. (laughs) Sorry, but that was really loud on people's ears. (laughs) Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. 
I forgot what I was saying. You've done that to me again now. <laughs> but if you didn't know happiness, you wouldn't know sadness. And if no. you didn't, you know, anger and there's that whole saying, isn't there, that I can't think of, so I'm just mumbling. You've got to feel the feelings. Yeah, I always say that. Feel the feels, good and bad. You, you, you're just human. So I think that one thing that we haven't talked about here... Yeah, you are just human. But then let's just think back to being younger than before we drank. Before we drank. Right. I honestly, I think I did worry a lot as a little child. That comes from my environment, but I do think I was a worrier even as a child. Yeah. So because I was a worrier before I ever had a drink, maybe that really is me. So maybe this thing that, oh, I've got anxiety, I suffer anxiety, isn't really anything other than I would have been if I'd never had a drink. I might have just learned how to deal with it. So it's kind of like reversing now. I've gone to age 13 again and I've got to relearn how to deal with anxiety, which is why I've had to go through these periods of lying in bed awake at night and so on, because in the past I've not had to face it. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, I do think that. I'm just thinking what type of person I was before. I was a... I always feel guilty. You always have felt guilty. Always about everything and anything. And this, I know when people say you have children, you you have this guilt straight away. But I have always had it. Like these things, I still feel. <laughs> My mom says to me, like Lisa, you've got to get over it. But little things from when I was really young, and I put this on one of our posts. But when I was about six, I made a mud pie. And the you little, do need to get over I know, this. But I, I don't even know why I haven't. I need it's forgiving myself, I think. Why don't you contact her and apologise? <laughs> well, I should really. She made a mud pie and Well, I told the other girl who lived next door but one, she was a couple of years younger than me, and she said, Oh, what's that chocolate? And I remember looking at it, like, and I think this is why I feel so guilty because I t- I did it on purpose. Well, of course you did. You made look- it out of mud, you knew yeah, I looked at it. And she said, Is it chocolate? And I went, Yeah, do you want to try some? Did she try it? Yeah. And I felt awful and then her mum shouted at me. Oh, I put cat food in one of my neighbours' shepherd's pie and warmed it up. And oh, that's I know disgusting. I was doing that. <laughs> How old were you then? About 15. <laughs> oh, see, I was about six. But no, I yeah, know but that's because she ate my sister. Oh, well, fair enough. She had, she had a yeah, you cat eat food, that cat food pie. pie. No, I do feel guilty about that, in honesty. I mean, I know I'm laughing about it now. Like <laughs> I do. <laughs> does she know? Well, she does now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I do feel guilty about that. because. But kids are cruel. You have to, you know, you're learning. Even at 15, even at 16, my goodness, we've just been talking now. We're still learning now. I think it's that forgiving yourself and knowing, again, that word human. We're just human. We do stuff, don't we? And um, something, things that you've done when you were drinking. I'm just going to tell this story quickly because... I didn't think I was going to do, but I am going to do because it's really awful and really bad and I can't believe it was me, but I know I've got to move on from it and forgive myself and get on. But I was in the car with the kids yesterday and me, Ben and Olivia was just chatting about stuff and we talk about sobriety a lot because they're really proud of, you know, how far I've come and 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 they can see how much I enjoy doing what I do with it. But Ben said to me in the car, do you remember when you drove us home from grandma's drunk? And do you I, remember? No, I don't even remember it. I, and I was like, I wouldn't do that. And my first thing was defence. I wouldn't do that. No way would I do that. And he was like, yeah, you did. You drove down the back street and um, you did a wiggle 
in the car. Like, like, with the steering wheel. Yeah, with the steering Yeah, I didn't didn't sit there doing a bum wiggle. (laughs) A wiggle with the steering wheel. And I drove us home. And when he told me that story, I was absolutely devastated. And then I got a flashback of me doing it. Now, this is the truth. I would never have told anybody that when I was drinking. I would have blocked it out of my own mind. I'd have, I'd have just moved it away. And yeah. I. it's not something that I've sat here and thought, oh, my God, I did that, because I completely forgot. And when Ben reminded me of it, I was absolutely devastated that I could do that with my own children in the car. But it just made me think, how many other things did I do that was dangerous and not like me at all? And talking about, like, the guilt feelings, obviously, you know, that's even to just hear that yesterday. I feel so bad about it. I can't believe I did it. And I get that. No wonder my blooming kids are proud of me. I was doing stuff like that and I didn't even know I was doing it. Do you know that... And that wasn't every weekend, but it's things that, as a drinker, I wouldn't have told anybody, and it just made me think how many other people are doing things that they are pushing down and not telling people because they're scared of telling people. Is it a shame? Well, it is, but one of the reasons we do this podcast and we do the Sober Experiment is to remove that shame. Absolutely. And I I wouldn't be being fair to anybody if I didn't come, you know, speak about things like that because... People do these things and we don't talk about it because we're ashamed. And it isn't all right. What I did is not all right, but it's done, it's gone. You can't change it. And I can't change it. And all I can do is show a better future. Um, But yeah, it just got me thinking, no wonder I felt coming guilty. Does it not remind you that of my story that I always tell you? when I think I drove in my car and I left my kids in bed. Yeah, of course. But I still don't know that because they were too young. Yeah. And I, I wrote a blog about it, which I've never published, and I'm still tying with it. But only because you keep saying to me and I keep saying to me, I don't actually know if it's true or if I've made it up, but in my gut... Well, you could just put it out as a novel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in my gut, I do believe I did this, and I've got this vision... Of me, but I've got it as out of body. So you've got a picture. I'm out of body, and I'm outside the front of my house, looking in on myself. And I've got this vision of I'd had wine in the house, a full bottle, I believe. Yeah. Ran out, and I've got a vision of my kids are in bed, two of them. I was a single mum at the time. I've locked the door, and I've gone to the co-op, which is two minutes up the road. And then I don't remember. Can I just make that clear? I don't remember doing that. What I remember is pulling into my drive and thinking, thank God the house hasn't burnt down. Yeah. And I've got this vision and I still don't know whether I did it or not, but why would I think it if I hadn't? Do you think a part of you doesn't want to maybe admit that you did it? Oh, definitely. So you're holding on to that, I might not have done it. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Because I think I would do that. 100%. I think if Ben had not have said that to me, I w- I'd never... I'd never choose to remember something like that or it might come but I wonder if a part of you is thinking but I wouldn't because it makes you so different than who you are you are not that person you are when you're drinking and I don't care what anybody says me I've heard it my whole life that alcohol brings out the real you and you know when I used to get myself into trouble and old boyfriends would say well you must have wanted to do it because (laughs) alcohol makes you who you really are so I've always thought that and you know what it's absolute bollocks it is bollocks alcohol does not make you into the real you the real you is 
this is rational you the shoes yeah the sober you like we would never do them things you would never do that so your rational sober side it must be saying but you wouldn't do that i think so and i think the other thing is as well what i used to do and when i look back at that that must have been 10 years ago ish now Okay, if, if it happened, which I, I think we're kind of coming to the conclusion that it probably did. <laughs> Go on, say so it did, and then I'll feel well, better about my... All right, like it did. <laughs> I can't, honestly, I honest to God can't say it definitely did, mm. because I really don't know, and if I did, I would admit it. You know, God, if I'm yeah. spitting grapes at people and putting cat food in my neighbour's food, <laughs> I would admit this. Um, I really don't know, but what I was really good at, and clearly I was doing it a lot longer ago than I thought, was getting rid of the evidence for the morning. So what I would do is I'd wash my glass, I'd put it away, I'd put my empty bottles in the bin. If I, I'd always have a little bit of wine left at the bottom, the bottle, yeah. and I'd tip it away because that would be my memory. Oh, you didn't finish the bottle, you tipped it away. It would probably be an inch, really, yeah. in reality. But because I tipped a bit away, I felt like I hadn't finished the bottle or two bottles as it yeah. might have been, and I'd tip it away. And because I've got rid of that evidence, it just shows the the fact that even in a drunk state where your inhibitions aren't you know, in out there, basically, you're just doing what you want. Even in that state, some part of me was saying, get rid of the evidence because in the morning you won't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. And I'd get up in the morning and I'd go downstairs and there'd be no mess, there'd be no wine glass, there'd be no wine bottles. I used to walk outside, put them out, lock the door. So I was. there was some part of the real me there, yeah. the, the, the bit that would have been ashamed of that behaviour, yeah. I think. But I think the main thing is we have to move on and forgive ourselves definitely so let's finish on top tips i thought you were going to say with a prayer no not prayer. <laughs> let's finish on top tips for somebody now who's dealing with pause getting a sober tribe is massively important yeah i think that's the first thing can i throw in meditation yeah because for me it's been a huge huge help meditation early on in my sobriety i'll be dead quick is I went to classes, there were Tuesday night classes in a village near me and it helped me massively because I used to think meditation was you had to sit there and forget everything. So I was like, I can't do that, I can't do meditation. But once I'd learned to do it properly, it's not about that, it's amazing and it really, really helped me. So if anybody can find a class or download maybe an app, there's a few apps there, the Buddyfy one and... Um, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Another one. But have a look you on... You can search meditation yeah, and it'll bring up some apps. But even that can really, really help more than you'd ever know. So for me, I'd say that as a top tip, try meditation. And I think just accepting that that's how you feel right now and not trying to block it out, it, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. It passes. It passes. Yeah. So if you're going to cry and you're going to have a full day of crying, well, go and cry. You know, I used to say to Lisa, and we still say it to each other now, if we don't, and I'm on about as kids now, as 11 and 13 year old kids, you phone up, and, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not allowed out, <laughs> or something like that, whatever it might be. And I'd say, ooh, I bet your breath stinks. Go and wash your face and brush your teeth. And honestly, just. Wash your face, brush your teeth and let it happen. It does not matter if you're crying for a day. It does not matter if you're lonely for a day. It does not matter if you are angry for a day. It will pass and you will come out the other side. And if, and we say this all the time, if you can get through 30 days when the physical addiction has gone, yes, the emotions are still going to be there. They're still going to be raw, but you can do it. And try our experiment. Just give it a go because you can do it. You can do it. I think that's it, isn't it, today? Yeah, that was quite a long one, wasn't it? I think it, it was quite a long one. Sorry so. about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got um, 
a few special guests on our podcast coming up as well. Um, I think the next time, so not our next episode, but the one after that, we've actually got Millie Gooch on from um, Sober Girl Society. That, that's a really interesting podcast, so give that one a listen. And yeah, um, Happy New Year, everybody. And we'll see you in a few weeks. Happy New Year. <laughs> see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.